0: Just the best literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I have a comment today, and it's—I'm uh, really excited. I keep getting comments, so um, you've got me so excited about it. Please keep sending comments. But uh, this is hello, JBL. Thanks so much for going to the effort of doing a JBL program every week. I don't always have access to the books you cover. So just hearing about them and learning their motives, themes, etc. is really great. I also enjoy it when you read sections of the book. Keep well. Now, it, it doesn't say where this is from, but thank you for sending that in. And uh, I do appreciate that you like me reading because sometimes um, I think that just adds so much to the program when we do that. Well, on our last two podcasts, a men's panel joined me to discuss how Marlowe learned about Kurds. Now, for today's program, I want to begin a new discussion on the women Conrad features in The Heart of Darkness. Now, how Conrad presents these women in this novel is a subject of some controversy, especially for feminists. Now, let me just read to you a little uh, introduction from a paper and uh, I'll, this is from the Sauceland Journal. I don't know exactly how old it is. The title of it is The Representation of Women in Heart of Darkness, and it's by uh, Ms. Ms. Willow Carr. Now, uh, here's what she says. This is her first paragraph. It says, Joseph Conrad's novella, Heart of Darkness, has been discussed in depth by scholars and students alike on its merit as a great piece of fiction and its seemingly problematic topics Some, such as Chinua Achebe, argue that the text is racist and should therefore not be seen as a great piece of work, while others defend Conrad's text by arguing that the novella investigates the racism during the time period instead of endorsing it. Another topic that has been touched on is the presence, or lack thereof, of women in the novella, and in the following sections, the intention is to display why the portrayal of women in Heart of Darkness differs greatly from the portrayal of men in the novella and how this portrayal is ultimately sexist. Now, obviously, Willow is a feminist, and uh, that's fine. That's if uh, that's what she wants to be, that's, that's uh, not a problem. But I do want to, to uh, talk about the women in the heart of darkness. It, to me, it's, I have a different view. And of course, uh, I'm sure to other feminists out there, they could care less what I think. <laughs> so to help me do this today, I have formed a women's panel, and uh, so I want this women's panel to help me discuss the women in Conrad's heart of darkness. So I'd like to welcome my partner in literature and my sweet wife. Welcome back, Deborah.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here again.
0: Uh, I'm so glad you're here. And I'd also like to introduce one of my English literature students, Hannah. Welcome, Hannah.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I'm just happy to have you. So let's uh, let's talk about it. Both of them have read the paper. Both of them have read the book. Uh, uh, my wife has read it probably several times. I think Hannah has as well. And so uh, let's open the discussion. And uh, maybe we could just talk about... Maybe an overview about the women in the book. There's not many I know so
1: okay well i I don't think that it's overtly sexist in terms of the way he 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 was writing in the late nineteenth century and he was talking about women at that time and it, it's it is interesting he doesn't give them names or expand, expand on their character but it seems to me they are more they are more there as symbols or they they are there to um, for a purpose in the story and it's not that he that they're there to be he he is focusing on the men but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is against women
0: Right. Well, Let me just also say, in defense of Conrad, there's a lot of men in the book he doesn't mention names for either. That
1: that is true, yes.
0: And so Mm -hmm. that's one thing I noticed Mm. uh, in the paper right away, is that not everyone has a name. Right. In fact, some of the names he gives the men aren't that, (laughs) really aren't that, uh, I I guess to say don't want to say nice, but uh, uh, anyway, go ahead, Hannah. Let me hear what you have to say.
2: I would have to agree. I think that if you look into a lot of what he's talking about when these women come up, it really goes deeper. I think they're meant to be allegories for certain things in mythology or even concepts and ideas that he's trying to present. Um, If you look at the aunt, even just as a first example, she is very um, enthusiastic about imperialism, but she also doesn't understand uh, the more... Unsavory aspects of it
0: right. she's not in Africa exactly. so right.
2: for the homeland, I even I wrote down in my notes that women are the backbone of a strong nation. they're the ones that raise their families and they really support the men. so if they had women as their support system, then of course they would enjoy the things that. Bring prosperity to the prosperity to their nation, like imperialism. So I just really I agree. I don't think that he's trying to be sexist at all. I think he actually uses uses the women in these in this book as in a very powerful way to demonstrate more important ideas.
0: Yes. Well, the thing the, the thing that um, I, I guess I I don't know when I when you you brought up Marlowe's aunt, I have a favorite aunt that would. You know, she seemed a little bit like Marlowe's aunt. You know, it's like when I was a a young boy, I don't know if I've talked about this, I've written an article about it. It's said biscuits and tea with Aunt Mabel. And uh uh I did come from, you know, Irish Irish background, uh a- Irish English, you know, my old aunts, uh my mom was thirteen out of thirteen children. So uh like my uncle my oldest uncle fought in World War II I mean, World War I, actually. He was fought in Flanders Field, World War One. So so they were all much older than I was. and But I could run to Aunt Mabel, and if I had, was sad about something, she'd make me tea and give me cookies or biscuits and, and things like that. So so the the thing is, I, I really feel like about when we, we start talking about the ant, maybe we'll just, as our, one of our commenters said there, that she likes it when I read. Let me just read you what he says about his aunt and um uh you know we're working with I'm working with two different books here I'm working with uh, the textbook from class but I'm also working from a book that I can read in the dark here <laughs> so so um but but anyway um he he has a lot of positive things to say about his aunt you know um uh, I think what bothers maybe a feminist most about it, about this whole thing with the women is essentially we see all the women through Marlowe's eyes. You know, it's his comment. It's, it's his comments. I don't, I don't think, you know, feminists really like to be judged by men today anyway. So um, uh, anyway, um, it, 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 I'm going to read from page 43. This is in the Barnes and Noble Book. If you have the bantam book, the the one that we use for the students, it, I'll be on page uh, eleven. But but here here's what, uh, it, and I brought this up in a in a former um, uh, previous I should say free previous uh, program is that that um, you know Conrad did base Marlowe's character on his own life, and he did have. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, family on the continent. He did have an aunt on the continent, and uh, you know, he was driving himself crazy. He quit, uh, you know, sailing in the uh, around uh, Australia and New Zealand. He quit that. He he needed another ship, and uh, he couldn't find any work. His family was getting concerned, and uh, he says here, this is the middle of page 43. I'm sorry to own. I began to worry him. Worried them. This was already a fresh departure for me. I was not used to getting things that way, you know. I always went on my my own road and on my own legs and where I had a mind to go. And of course, Marlow really gives that impression. He was a really self-made man. He was independent and he was going to do what he wanted to do. He says, I wouldn't have believed it of myself but then, you see, I felt somehow I must get there by hook or crook. In other words, he could not get uh, an interview with his Belgian company. He could not get an interview. He could not get himself, uh, you know, uh, e- even a, an interview to to go to work for them. But his family was getting concerned. He said, "So I worried them." The men said, "My dear fellow," and did nothing. Then would you believe it? I tried the women. I, Charlie Marlowe, Marlowe, set the women to work to get a job. Heavens, well, you see the notion drove me I had an aunt, a dear enthusiastic soul and so so the, the thing is is uh you know when, when you read the paper, oh man he's that they, they go off on this whole thing, well, he didn't want to have to rely on a woman, you know uh you know this was the the wrong thing to do, you know uh anyway but but the the thing is, is I don't think. He intends this as a put down to his aunt you know it's like it's family you know it's like oh you know it's like i had to go to a woman
1: he's a self-made
0: man he wouldn't want to ever go to a woman and it's not that he doesn't like women
1: right and it was also it was at that time and that was a man's um a world basically in terms in terms of of the world he was in in terms of of um shipping you know and those kind of jobs they were and so he he would go to the men because it was, it was men on the ships and things like that right. so so he you wouldn't think of going to the women no, so I remember this,
0: he, was, this is a story from 1899 exactly right yes <laughs> <laughs> yes but it's not that a woman mm-hmm. couldn't run a ship right that, yeah. that's not what i don't mm-hmm. think conrad is even thinking about no. that mm-hmm. anyway uh, it goes mm-hmm. on to say um you know, he got in touch with her. He said, she wrote, it will be delightful. I am ready to do anything, anything for you. It's a glorious idea. I know the, I know the wife of a very high personage in the administration, also a man who has lots of influence with, et cetera, et cetera. She was determined to make no end of fuss to get me appointed skipper of a river steamboat. It's if such was my fancy. And so, so, I, I think in some ways it's, it reminds me of Aunt Mabel as I had this relationship with her and I felt very special to her you know. and I could get away with things. I remember I always wanted to play the piano and she had this nice piano and I would go in and she let me plunk on it I mean I would never let my grandkids do that And you know? <laughs> <laughs> she let me do it you know. so I have this fond memory of her and of course when I you know, got engaged to you where did I take you?
1: We went to see Aunt Mabel. We went yes, to see we Aunt did. Mabel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> That's that really nice. <laughs> it just made her day, mm-hmm. you
0: know. So so anyway, uh, okay. So look look what he's saying about her. He said, But it, but it's true, you know, you can misinterpret what he said. Would you believe it? I tried the women. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I'm sorry, sometimes I need help from Women <laughs> go ahead,
2: Anna um, I was just thinking, uh it's also very interesting because at this time, like women were very social, if you think about they had their parlors and they would have tea where all these women would get together, so I don't think it's bad at all. They have a social network untouched by men, so it's actually very smart that he did that because, like it says, she the aunt knows a man or a man through the wife, and right. he's very high up in the administration, so I think it's a great resource to use. Um, Because women are always in the background. They chatter. They talk. They do all sorts of things and have these social gatherings. So I think it's smart.
0: Well, just think Mm -hmm. about Winston Churchill and his wife. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clementine. She was socially motivated. She's the one that actually went to him and said, Winston, these people don't like you. (laughs) You don't see it. I see it. Don't be so nice to them. They don't like you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so... So uh, anyway, I, I thought that that was really, really good. All right, now, um, here's what really drives him crazy. All right, let's go to, and, and, uh, let's go to the he gets his appointment, and he's really excited. He gets his appointment. And then, let's see, this is a couple pages later. Uh, he, he's so excited. he's rushing around. he's going get, to get, <laughs> get on the steamship. Which he says he yeah, has like a two penny it's a two penny ship compared to what he was he was doing, but uh, he decides that before he leaves um you know Europe he's got to go see his aunt, so this would be on let's see the bantam page seventeen, and so uh, I know my wife has a different book over there, so hopefully she finds it but yes, but uh, anyway, he says one thing more remained to do. Say goodbye to my excellent aunt. Notice he's he calls her an excellent aunt. Yes. You know, I, I uh,
1: Yes. Yeah. He has good things to say about her because yeah. earlier he he talked about her being enth- enthusiastic and now he's calling her excellent. So yeah. Yes. And then mm-hmm. he says I yes.
0: found her triumphant. <laughs> you know. So what? What is? What's she a triumphant about? He's got the appointment. Mm-hmm. Here she's happy. He says I had a cup of tea. That reminds me so much of Aunt Mabel. <laughs> I had a, ca- a a cup of tea the last decent cup of tea for many days, and in a room that most soothingly looked just as you would expect a lady's drawing room to look. We had a long, quiet chat by the fireside. In the course of these confidences, now listen to that, so so obviously the chat was pretty deep because there's confidences being exchanged. It became quite plain to me, I had been represented to the wife of the high dignitary and uh, goodness knows to how many more people besides, as an exceptional and gifted creature, a piece of good fortune for the company, a man you don't get hold of every day. And uh, he said, uh, and I was going to take charge of a two-penny, half penny river steamboat with a penny whistle attached. <laughs> so, so what did this aunt do uh, with him? What did she do about him? Go ahead, Hannah.
2: Oh, she made sure he got the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She loved him. She really pumped him <laughs> up. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: like, wow, you're getting the best guy. He's He can handle this. He can do all this. So was he being mean to
2: her? No. I, I don't no. see it. No. Well, I, I think that just it. goes back to the point earlier. Like, the women there, you learn a lot by word of mouth. So if she was talking to this woman about how wonderful – her nephew was then of course the wife would have gone to him and really or at least her husband and of course she would have listened to her friend so i just think that's pretty amazing yeah
0: This also he goes on there It said it appeared however so so not only did she uh she went a little bit too far though
2: yes <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah.
0: and i could see aunt mabel would do that you know uh, anyway, it says sometimes like an emissary of light. Uh, anyway, I, I just jumped ahead. Sorry about that. However, I was also one of the workers with a capital. You know, something like an emissary of light, something like a sort of, a lower sort of apostle. <laughs> so she's really into what imperialism, mm-hmm. and she yes. just said, "Hey, you got you got the you got a really good legate here, or you know, clergy member here." <laughs> he said there there had been a lot of rot. Uh, let loose and print and talk about that time and the excellent woman living right in the rush of all that humbug got carried off her feet she talked about weaning those ignorant millions from their horrid ways till upon my word she made me quite uncomfortable i ventured to hint that the company was run for profit so so essentially he's not running her down but he is saying that she was naive yes I mean, is that mm-hmm. a wrong comment to make no, about she, she, a woman?
1: She well, she had, had totally accepted the whole ideal of of colonialism and imperialism of taking the civilization to people and helping them. She was she basically wanted to help people. She like a missionary, right. and so she was seeing him kind of like like this is all like being like a missionary. Right.
0: But mm-hmm. but again, I think where where uh, Miss Carr misses the point is she misses the history there mm. because. King Leopold. It's like whatever you put in the media is what people believe. So what was really being told the media? Oh, we really getting civilization going. We're really bringing light. When really they were destroying the people and destroying, you know, just raping the land of, you know, ivory and all the wealth. But but if you're if you're in a nation, well, we, we're running through that today. The media is only publishing what they want us to hear and we don't know all the facts. And so, and any conservative station that's willing to give you all the facts is what it's getting censored. King Leopold did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, so it, it's in some ways what Conrad he really is focusing on on the history at that time because he knew what was going on and he knew how it was being represented in Europe and he knew what he knew the truth. And so uh uh but but notice he does come back and he says well, you forget there, Charlie, that the labor of is worthy of is higher, he said brightly. And then he said, it's queer how out of touch with truth women are. They live in a world of their own, and there had never been anything like it and never can be. It's, it is too beautiful to, altogether, and if they were to set it up, it would go to pieces before the first sunset. <laughs> so, so in other words, again, this is historical. This is not talking about what 21st century women, or even uh, I don't know the date of this or the article we're reading, but it's it's not 20th century women. It's different, and it was as as uh, Hannah said earlier, it was a different society then, you know. And the women were socially active, and uh, obviously they're wealthy, you know. So, so anyway, any comments there? Anybody?
1: Well, well, he did. He tried to hint. That that the company was run for profit. In other words, that may not have just been an altruistic, right. missionary kind of adventure, um, but there was you know money involved. And then she said, and she was kind of quoting the Bible that the labor is worthy of his hire. In other words, right. you know it's it's okay to make make money, but she's still talking about it in a you know in a like a altruistic kind of naive, naive kind of right. way. You know he, right. she's not thinking. I mean he. He, he realizes there's a hint that, you know, it's more than just giving to people, that you're getting, you know, they're, they're there for money. Right. They're or they're for, there for money. You know. And they,
0: they were there for a lot more for than money. For the
1: ivory, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Then I think it's, it's funny. This is to- total and. After this, I got embraced, told to wear flannel, be sure to ride often, and, and so on. And I left. In the street, I don't know why a queer feeling came to me that I was an impostor, <laughs> because he, you know, he was going. Why was he going to, the, you know, the Congo? To fulfill a boyhood dream. He wasn't. He wasn't part of the Belgian company. He wasn't part of the philosophy to bring civilization. He wanted to see the Congo. He'd wanted to see it since he was a little boy. You know. So so. Uh, in that way, he was selfish. You know, he said, uh, "Odd thing that I, who used to clear out for any part of the world at twenty-four hours' notice with less thought than most men to give to the crossing of a street, had a moment—I won't say a hesitation, but a startled pause—before this commonplace affair." The best way I can explain it to you is by saying that for a second or two, I felt as though, instead of going to the center of the continent, I were about to set off for the center of the earth. <laughs> so, so anyway uh i i really don't um you know see where he's he's putting you know the ant down and i, I don't i don't see it as a sexist you know um uh, let's hate women issue you know so
1: right well and cuz in the article she says that that he he's um saying that women don't have the, have the intelligence of men but i I think the aunt was intelligent she just, she just like she was just hearing what peop other people were saying and and believing what was was being said, so right. she was intelligent enough to do what she did, so it's not that he not that he he was saying that she wasn't intelligent, so yeah. I disagree with that also about the article that's
0: a mm-hmm. that's a what do you call you know looking at things through colored glasses okay. you know yeah. her mm-hmm. glasses are through okay. right.
1: Through the, through the glasses of a twentieth century woman right.
0: yeah she, she's mm-hmm. uh, she's not looking at it right okay so I, I think that was that was good let 's talk about the two fates mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we're going to go backwards now in the book, so if you're uh, reading the bantam we're going back to thir- page thirteen so now this is use of women, and uh, uh again, I think Deborah, this is where it's going to prove your comp- your comment true that their symbols. So uh, for me, it's going back to page forty-five. Let's see. This is before he even gets the appointment. He's he's got to go to the head of the company. Uh, go to the. He has to go to the sepulchral city, or that's we know that's Brussels, and even that that has a lot of symbolism there, because we he knows it he he knows, and this is what the men brought out. Uh, you. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to those yet, but you know, he had warning signs about not getting involved, and he ignored all of them, every one of them, until he gets in there and gets sick and has to be dragged out himself. So uh, anyway, he, he gets to the, the company, and it's again, it's in Brussels. It's supposed to be this really uh, fancy company that's going to bring civilization to Africa, and even to get into the company, it's it's really not very well kept. It's like a desert. You know, there's dust and sand everywhere. He walks up to the staircase. He said it's as an arid desert. He opens the door and I came to two women <laughs> one fat the other slim sat on straw bottom chairs knitting black wool. The slim one got up and walked straight at me still knitting with downcast eyes and only just as I began to think of getting out of her way as you would for some uh, for a somnambulist that's a sleepwalker stood still and looked up, her dress was as plain as an umbrella cover, and she turned around with a word and preceded me into a waiting room so so what do you think of that? <laughs> what do you think of his meeting That's one of the two women, yeah, the first one, the slim one so
2: if you do take a look at Greek mythology the three it's three fates usually, but they are the ones that thread and knit the lives of men so it's very interesting the symbolism that he's using here is that they're knitting and they're knitting black wool in a white city um, yeah. black is often associated with death and bad things and then it's just compared to the white of the city and the, uh, just brussels in general it's just interesting because white is usually seen as clean pure holy all of those things so he is getting a sense of Doom, I would say. Um, he's walking into this situation, and these ladies do not look nice. Uh, in my notes from one of your classes, I wrote that they look like witches. <laughs> so it's just interesting. He's getting this. Um, I think
0: I got that from somewhere else, by the way. So, so I don't get any comments. You think women are witches?
2: <laughs> but they do. They are very foreboding. So I think if he had just heeded those signs of. What he's seeing, it probably would have saved him a lot of heartache later on.
0: The the thing that the way I look at this, as uh, you know, because I I have worked for a really good con- I worked for Westinghouse Electric for years, you know, fourteen years. And you know, when you went up for an interview, you would never want, run into something like this, you know. I mean, this this is supposed to be the company that's changing the world, that's that's building civilization, that's building culture, and then you you walk in. To get your interview and there's two women sitting in there knitting and, <laughs> and again it says there her address was as plain as an umbrella cover
1: i think that's hilarious i mean that that is <laughs> Uh, you can picture a black umbrella Mm -hmm. you know just a plain skinny thin black umbrella that uh, to me that that that's so clever what a Mm -hmm. way of describing something yeah (laughs) so and even
2: calling them fat and slim like you can think of that as famine and um Mm -hmm. opulence that you would get from both sides Mm -hmm. of imperialism especially Mm -hmm. once you go later on into the book and you Mm -hmm. see the the natives they talk Mm -hmm. about how they look like ghosts compared to the I think it's the manager and how he's dressed in stark white. He's well fed and well dressed, and he has hygiene. So it's very interesting that they did that as well, yeah. or that he did. There, there call is them a lot of.
0: There's a lot of similar. I mean, Conrad mm-hmm. to me, it's it's mm-hmm. like, he's a genius, and he's such a good writer, and he's he's trying to get you to think. He's really working hard to get you to think, and there is a if when we get to that point. Uh, we're not going to be able to get to it all today uh we're going to have to have a second program on this but anyway um there is a third fate in the book you know these you just meet the first two but mm-hmm. uh, but i'll mm-hmm. as we get to the point then i'll bring out what some what I read just this morning <laughs> about what they think the third who the for th- third fate is all right let's just uh um, uh before we have to to uh, uh, call this a program of close. I knew this would happen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if, if you go on, he, he goes and he has, he visits with the doctor and he visits with the, the clerk and, you know, he, he gets, because he speaks French, he, the, the head of the company says, oh, right, we want you because you can speak French. But then he goes to the older woman and he says, the old one, this is page 46, so it's just probably right over on your next page, uh, wherever you are in Bantam. It says uh, uh, he said the two women were knitting fe- black wool favor- feverishly. People were arriving, and the young one was walking back and forth and introducing them. The old one sat on her chair; her flat cloth slippers were propped up on a foot warmer, and a cat reposed on her lap. Can you imagine? This is a company. And there's a cat in there with them too. That's why. I, that's why I made the comment. Witches, because it's like they, you know, they've got this cat in there with them. It says she wore a starched white af- uh, affair on her head. No, I, this is sad had a ward on her one cheek and silver rimmed <laughs> spectacles hung on the tip of her nose so that's a picture I mean mm-hmm. you can anyone can view, uh, imagine that in your mind she glanced at me above the glasses the swift and indifferently placidity of that look troubled me two youths with foolish and cheery countenances who were lying were being uh, posited over and she threw at them the same quick glance of unconcerned wisdom she seemed to know all about them about me too an eerie feeling came over me She seemed uncanny and fateful, often the way there I thought of these two guarding the door of darkness. And there he brings out the mythology. Knitting black wool as for a warm pall, one introducing, introducing continuously to the unknown, the other scrutinizing the cheery and foolish faces with unconcerned old eyes. And here, as he's leaving, what he says, Ave, old knitter black wool, mora turite salant. And essentially that means you know hell to all those who are about to die <laughs> so so and then he says not many of those she looked at ever saw her again and not half by a long way and so uh unfortunately as this always happens to me that's all the time we have for today's program so next time we will continue our discussion of uh, the Women in the Heart of Darkness. This has really been fun, by the way. It says you can buy Heart of Darkness at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. You may be also able to find a copy in your local bookstore. And, of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So, until next time, keep reading.